Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Greetings, everyone from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. This is a uh, janky from a hotel room edition of the Awards Radar podcast. I am Joey, as always, and it's it's just me. Like Miles and Steve aren't actually in the hotel room with me. This isn't autofocus, or is it, Miles? Hi, I'm here, and as always, I'm not in focus. And Steve is here. Hi, I'm Steve. I'm in this hotel. I mean, I'm not in this hotel room. Steve, put the camera down. She'll be here later. I'm keeping the camera right where it is. Oh, you you and Paul Schrader both. Um, Ryan uh, is not here. It's his wife's anniversary. And I believe Mitch's partner's birthday is today. So they have better things to do. Um, Though... Full disclosure, and just because it's fun to embarrass Rhino, but he did suggest this day, so he clearly forgot his wife's anniversary first. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, fantastic. And speaking of Ryan, through the magic of editing, here he is now. Hey, Ryan. Hello, all the listeners for the Awards Radar podcast. This is Ryan McQuaid, your lovely part-time co-host uh, that comes over here and causes chaos. And I've been out the last couple of weeks, but and I'm not with the guys on this episode. But I am returning from the Middleburg Film Festival. I was there and I saw a ton of films. Uh, I just want to say real quick before I saw that, I did see Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Uh, I was a big fan of it. I think it is the spectacle we've all been waiting for. And I can't wait to talk to Joey and especially Miles when he sees it and Steve and Mitch. And when when we all can see it, we all can talk about it. Um, on my plane right, I actually also saw Mitchell's, uh, versus the machines, great animated film, highly recommend it. Um, I saw 13 films at the film festival. Um, the opening night film was King Richard. I thought it was very good, very solid procedural sports biopic. Will Smith's fantastic on Gina Ellis. The girls that play Venus and Serena are out of their minds. Um, going to be a really good crowd pleaser. One of the two crowd pleasers of the weekend that really sucked well. Um, I saw a couple of foreign language films. I saw the hand of God, a hero flea, all really good to solid films. I really liked a hero was a little underwhelmed with flea, but you know, there's always a second viewing and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it actually again. So then maybe, you know, because a lot of people hyped it up. Um, I saw the lost daughter was not impressed with it. I saw Red Rocket. I think it's easily one of Sean Baker's best films. Simon Rex is amazing. The cast is ex- extremely, um, you know, made up of, of small time actors, but they're extremely, extremely awesome. And it's really funny. Um, I saw Spencer. And while I don't think it's on the level of Jackie, I think it's a movie that will, will get cinephiles going and having a, interesting conversation it's not like the crown at all it's completely different uh meditative take and really psychological great johnny greenwood score um i then saw the french dispatch which is like wes anderson on crack and he's uh sensory overload um if you like his stuff i know joey wasn't a big fan of it but i really liked it Uh, I think it's one that will grow on multiple viewings. And uh, I think Jeffrey Wright and Timothy Chalamet and Francis McDormand are fantastic. Come on, come on. 
which is now my new favorite film of the year, is just mind-blowing and beautiful and tender. And Woody Norman, who plays the kid, is insane. Um, I mean, it's one of the, the greatest child performances I've ever seen. Joaquin Phoenix, amazing. Mike Mills screenplay. It's just so, it's got so much heart going for it. Beautifully shot, wonderful score. Uh, I really hope that that movie is, it carries on throughout the year. Saw Belfast. I will say that's pretty much going to be our best picture winner at this point. Um, Watching Come On, Come On and Belfast back to back was the emotional breakdown of my life. They're both beautiful films. In the last day, I saw Cyrano, uh, which Peter Dinklage gives a masterful performance in a movie that I liked the second half more than the first half. I saw Rebecca Hall's Passing, which I still don't know what to make of it. Um, I I would still respect the hell out of it. I don't know if it 100% works, but uh, I'm more positive than negative on the film. Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega are extraordinary and give great performances. But then the festival ended uh, with Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog, which is one of the most interesting films you'll see this year. It's definitely going to lend to a conversation. I don't think that it is an awards player by any stretch of the imagination. I think that it is a, a cinephile film. It's not very going to be very accessible, but you know what it is, what it is. I think Cumberbatch and Cody Smith McPhee and Kristen Dunst are fantastic, but it is the cinematography, the editing, the production design, Campion's direction, Johnny Greenwood's second score I saw this week in which I think is, I mean, they're both really good. I can't even rank them at this point. Um, it's really, it's a really good movie. So I saw all that. I know the guys are probably talking about other stuff, but I, and I miss all of you guys and I'll get back on this stuff next week. But, uh, but yeah, that's uh, my breakdown for Middleburg. Bye. Wow. That was really great, Ryan. Hey, Joey, what are your plans for the rest of the show? So we're going to do a, a shorter show today because I am down at Film Fest 919 and uh, just been running around. So it's been a it's been a week and I need to go get ice cream and go to bed. <laughs> but we want to uh, have an episode. So we'll touch base on a few things. We have a couple questions. We'll play a game. And next week we'll have our Halloween spooktacular. And then we'll be back on track. Yes. Uh, that's a better better ghost sound than mine. Nothing will be scarier than listening to Steve rant about Halloween kills. <laughs> rant? Oh, it's going to be a love fest. I mean, I already said my piece. I thought it's fine. Uh, Miles has a very restrained take on it. And I don't actually know what, what Ryan and or Mitch have to say about it so i know ryan thought it was in a wonderful screenplay so i think i think i might have the most neutral take on the whole internet yeah yeah uh spoiler alert uh, miles's take is it's a movie it sure is i didn't not enjoy myself but did i like it Meh. Hard, hard to say yeah as you can tell it's gonna be a shit show of a podcast but that's fine so to um evil dies tonight <laughs> yeah sorry evil dies next week um to balance things out we'll talk about something classy miles i've queued you up we have a question from twitter yes we do uh kflee 208 thank you so much for your question uh kflee asks i know you guys talked about bond last pod and this one could you do top five bond villains and top five bond girls all right, so for this, 
We'll start with the villains. Do we want to do specific actors portraying villain or just the villain themselves? Because in, in, in a, at least one case, they are portrayed more than once. Well, you're you're talking about Blofeld, who's had anywhere from four to six actors play him, depending on how you count. Uh, so I would say actors. Okay, we'll go specifically actors. Spoiler alert, I think that hurt Christoph Waltz's chances. Well, I don't think Christoph Waltz was ever in serious contention. No, but uh, you can go first. You can give us right out of here, Christoph. Jeez, <coughs> oh, enjoy. Uh, yeah, I have actually got mine ready to go. So this is not in any particular order, but these are my five favorites: uh, Javier Bardem for Skyfall, Gert Frobe for Goldfinger, Mads Mikkelsen for Casino Royale, Christopher Lee for The Man with the Golden Gun. And uh, speaking of specifying actors, Donald Pleasance for You Only Live Twice. Now you're talking. Interesting. Steve, you want to go? Um, I don't have a list in front of me. Uh, I will agree <laughs> with Mads Mikkelsen. I didn't get the homework assignment. My dog ate it, I believe. Um, See me in class. I will also go with Jaws. Uh, who's the actor for that? Um Oh, God, I just had it. So do I. Uh, Uh, Richard Keel. Yes. Richard Keel, yeah. Uh, Happy Gilmore's own. Yes, yes. Javier Bardem is another. Um, Mm Hmm. hmm. Those are the the big ones off the top of my head. Oh, Donald Pleasance. I'm sorry. Donald Pleasance for sure. Uh, But besides that, I'd have to go through a little Wikipedia, which I'm doing right now. That's fair. Oh, do you consider odd job? It's not a, a major. I was about to bring that up. I think he's a sidekick or a henchman. Yeah. Well, I would I would say if Jaws counts, there's no reason odd job shouldn't count. That is a good point. I guess Jaws is a, is the hybrid. So I'll I'll allow it for Steve's like sanity of not having to look things up that much. I, I'm going to add one more. I'm going to add uh, Batista in uh, in Spectre, um, the silent assassin. I think he says one word in the in the whole film, but uh, I don't know what his name is either. But I, it's I, uh, Mr. Hinks. And I'll say this. I think he's the best henchman character of the whole Craig era. Yeah. So there you go. For for off the top of my head, not too bad, I think. That's uh, that's totally, totally fine. I'm going to make this five that we haven't mentioned just to make it more fun. Not necessarily. I think we've we've hit most of the big ones. But I would say the one of the best ones we're not we haven't mentioned is Red Grant from Russia with Love. That's a good Robert one. Robert Shaw. Um, and honestly, Rosa Klebb, who's kind of like the henchman of that one. They, they're very much a package deal. So they're, they're definitely a slot. Um, Alec Trevelyan, Goldeneye, Sean Bean. Sure. Oh, yeah. Which is, Rosa uh, Klebb, yes. Um, I will throw out uh, Blofeld Batelli Savalas from Honor Majesty's Secret Service. That's Less my, iconic. That's my very close second favorite, yeah. So I think I think if you're if you imagine Blofeld in your head, you imagine Donald Pleasance. If you think about who's the most efficient, like Blofeld, I think Telly Savalas, and I just don't think Charles Gray. I think Rocky Horror when I think Charles Gray. That's another story. Um, so I've got three there, right? I believe, right, right. Okay. Um, I will also say that <clears throat> movie is. Racist and problematic. But I do think Mr. Big and Baron Samedi are pretty cool. 
And Yafikoto is always great in everything from Live and Let Die. Just it's a movie you it's almost impossible to enjoy now. So that does tinker with things. So movie not redeemed, villain, possibly. Um, and the other one that I want to bring up is um, Jonathan Price. Yes. I was hoping you would mention that one. Fucking love that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, Evil like, Ted Turner is like yeah. just in a class of its own. Also known as Ted Turner. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, what does that Bond villain want? He wants... What is he? he wants broadcast rights in China for the next 20 years or something like that. Yeah, broadcast, exclusive broadcasting rights in China for the 21st century. Like, Incredible. it's such a... Like, if you if you heard tomorrow that, like, pick your billionaire, you know? If, if Bezos just acquired exclusive broadcasting rights in a country for the 21st century, you'd be like, I guess that makes sense. It's just, it's hilarious. I love that. So he, he is one of my like guilty pleasure favorites. So I think we have sort of the best ones. The only one I'm trying to think, who haven't we mentioned who would be considered a top tier? Some people um, like Dr. No, but I think he's kind of boring and also barely in that movie. We also saw Dr. No again when Rami Malek played him in oh. No Time to Die. Um, I mean, it's the thing, like, the villains, you either are very basic and not quite realistic, but you get the, like, Scaramanga, you get the, like, you know, assassin, or you get the, like, Max Zorn, like, kind of guy, you get the drug dealer, but, you know, the, the, the most memorable ones often go big, but at the same time, the best Bond movies don't usually go as big, so it's a hard thing to... To really, like, I don't know. It's funny. You, you you think of how good they are, but at the same time, Le Chiffre is just like a a money man. Like, you know, he 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 can he can be beaten easily. You know, um, yeah. I or like they can go too big. Obviously, like you know, was it Zhao and Dino the day with the diamonds in his face? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, well, or Dominic, got- or you can go too small with Dominic Green. Yeah, that we're just such a nothing character. Yeah, I, so I think is... maybe that's for me why Javier Bardem rises to the top because he's a very big performance and big villain in an otherwise sort of down to earth movie. Um, so the contrast is sort of what makes that one work. Like it's the Joker in the Dark Knight syndrome where there's only one performance that's that over the top, but it's the right performance. Totally. All right, let's do Bond girls. Let's objectify women, I suppose. Um, keep in mind, um, not that we should have to remind people of this, but it was the times. So, especially as we mentioned some of these names, you're going to, you're going to feel like, uh, Steve's Dr. Pussy is pretty on call. All right. Well, I, Dr. Pussy never dies. That's the sequel. <laughs> nice. Um, nice. well, well, you I say also, that I feel like I've gone pretty classy with my list. You don't have plenty of tool. I do not. As you do it, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up some of the names. But yeah, start with your list. Uh, so my all-time favorite Bond girl, and it's like not even close, is uh, Diana Rigg from Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Yep, she is number one. She is fantastic. Um, I really love Eva Green from Casino Royale. Has to be in top five. Same here. Uh, 
Um, I would give uh, a very strong shout out to Michelle Yeoh from Tomorrow Never Dies. I think she's the closest to every now and then they do a Bond girl who's like more of an action focus, where it's like it's the female version of Bond or whatever. And I think she's come the closest to being very believable in that role. Yep. And your fifth one, Christmas Jones. Well, that was only three. Uh, but um, I do have in a similar um, sort of vein, although I don't think quite as effective, is uh, Barbara Bach from The Spy Who Loved Me. Sure. Uh, which is a classy one. And then my number fifth might be a little controversial, but I think it's valid. I'm going to say M from Skyfall. I think she's more the Bond girl in that movie than any other character. And I think that's the movie that really gives her her due as a character as opposed to just the handler. Mm, nice. I can accept that. Um, I'll throw out another name just in terms of fun Bond, na- bond names. Molly Warmflash. <laughs> Steve? All right. Um, well, you named a couple. Uh, Diana Rigg and uh, Eva Green, Casino Royale. Eva Green is, is one of my top, just because I think there's... I just love what they do with the, with the character. It's, it's beyond just your usual sidekick or anything she's really part of a major part of the plot actually drives uh almost two films um even though not alive for the second um then i kind of like uh famke jensen that's a good one and who else do i have here uh uh what's her eve eve money money punny um money punny eve money penny in Skyfall. I mean, money punny is what, is what you've been doing. Yes, I'm sorry. I've, I'm reading my instructions. Be more punny. Um, mm. And then I'm going to go with the classic uh, Honey Rider in Doctor No. Mm. Um, throw out another name. Octopussy from Octopussy. Of course. Just, we, had to, we, we had to get that. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're handing on the right ones. I mean, sometimes the name isn't dirty. It's just a pun, like Strawberry Fields, who's a fine character. Nothing too special. Um, I'm going to add that I I think Anna de Armas is one of the oh best. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I wish we'd gotten a whole movie about her. Yeah. And I get, like, some people who also are pushing back, like, no, you love her in this movie because she's in it for 12 minutes. And you get yep. just enough, and then you move on. Um, but, I, yeah, I think I think that personality was great. The, like, oh, I'm in over my head. Oh, no, I'm not. Like, I've got this. I like that character. All right, I'll put um, my else I think is, I'm seeing the movie tomorrow, so I. Uh, it's not a spoiler. Okay, but you'll 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 like her when you see her. I, I've heard uh, a lot another, of good about her. Yeah, another name. I think Jill Masterson's pretty good in Goldfinger. You know, the ill-fated. Jill oh yeah, Masterson. she's very good. Yeah. Yep, yeah, Shirley Eaton. I mean, it's iconic. Uh, I mean Tilly Masterson. I mean Goldfinger is good with the Bond girls. That's a good that because they just everything they're doing there is, <clears throat> you know, they've hit their stride by then. Um, Thunderball, Fiona Vope, it's not bad. I mean, Honey Rider's iconic for for reasons, as we as we just said. Um, I'm gonna, you know, what I'm gonna throw? I'm gonna throw out Madeline Swan, considering, you know, reasons that Steve will understand. I'll, I'll say this: I did. I didn't think much of her Inspector, but I think she a hundred percent redeems herself in No Time to Die. Yeah. Um, another name, not character, just name. Holly Goodhead from Moonraker. Um, one of the worst, just because we, we burned her. 
uh, Miranda Frost, Rosamund Pike, die another day. She should so oh. be a great like she should be in the next. She should be. She could be M in the next Bond movie. Yeah, good call. Like, totally. like she should be a mainstay in Bond. Whether she's M, whether she's Money Penny, whether she's a Bond girl, whether she's a villain. Like, it's a shame that we burned her before she was at the height of her powers. Well, that was her first movie as well. No, really. And uh, wow. you know, I, I, I have yeah. one that I want to do a special shout out because. Um, uh, she like I, for me the most honorable mention because she kind of straddles the line between villain and Bond girl, and that's uh, Sophie Marceau from The World Is Not Enough. Electra King, she gets to be both. Exactly. Well, she's more the main villain in that one than uh, Robert Carlyle is. Yeah, um, I'm gonna remind everyone we we have not mentioned or unless someone did, I forgot from Goldfinger, Pussy Galore. Ah, uh, yes. Because uh, not only one, is it... One of the I, earliest women that Sean Connery forced himself upon. Yep. Like, not only is it insane that that name was allowed, but is a legitimate good character. Just saddled with a... What a name. But I think, yeah. Tracy, in Honor Magic Secret Service, Diana Rigg, um, Eva Green, Vesper Lynn. Like, those are the... I think those, for very specific reasons, are the top two. Who's your, and who's then the your rest top are, overall? You're... Your number one. That's a good. Well, question. mine's Diana Rigg, no question. I, I might go Eva Green. Yeah, I'm going to say Eva Green as well. They're, those are the top two. Um, one last thing on Bond before we move on. I just want to posit something that I think I brought up last week, but I want to put it in Steve's head as he watches it. And this is, again, credit to the James Bonding podcast. Watch No Time to Die, thinking of it as one of three movies, okay? Think of Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace as one film, one story, right? Think of Skyfall as a one-off. Think of Spectre and No Time to Die as one story. And I think they're, they complement each other much better. Like, Quantum is raised by watching it with Skyfall. I mean, watching it with uh, Casino Royale. And I think Spectre is helped by watching No Time to Die right afterwards. Yeah, I think Quantum uh, standalone is is not a, a good film, but no, because it's not; it's barely a movie. So I did watch those back to back, and it played much better than a year or two in between as I watched them the first time. But I'm looking forward yeah. to it. I All cannot right. wait so, to watch this, as you should. All right, we also have a Ryan McDermott question. Oh, interesting. Absolutely. Dermond. Ryan McDermott. Yep. And then, so after we do this question, I'm going to talk briefly about Film Fest 919, and then we're going to pivot to an Oscar year, and then we're going to close up shop just because we're, uh, it's a, we're, we're gearing up for next week. We'll make that a better, better app. We promise. But Ryan has a Matt Damon filmaholic face off for us. Very good. Yes. And just so you know, Miles is choosing the Oscar year after this, so. Prepare your rant about why we're correcting some wrong as you think about this. Just throwing that in your head. All right. First up, Goodwill Hunting or Saving Private Ryan? I know we, we fluctuate on this every week, but are we going based on performance or just overall movie? I mean, make your case however you see fit. Yeah, yeah. Because, like... The performance, it's definitely Goodwill Hunting, but I yes. think I like Saving Private Ryan just a little bit more overall. But Goodwill oh, Hunting is so good. Ah. I, th- I think 
gun to my head, I'll probably go with Goodwill Hunting. All right. Um, I do not love Saving Private Ryan. I love the first twenty minutes or thirty minutes, and then after that, it's uh, it's a good movie. It's I think it's a little overhyped. I think it's a lot overhyped. Uh, so I'm going with Goodwill Hunting. Uh, I'm going with Goodwill Hunting as well. I love them both, but I do think rewatch rewatch that rewatchability favors Goodwill Hunting because yes, the opening sequence of Saving Private Ryan is iconic and one of the best. 20 minutes in film. Yes. But the rest of the movie is great, but it almost suffers because you're like, for that first 20 minutes, I think you're you're like, I'm watching the best film ever made. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes a really good movie. Whereas Good Will Hunting is a pretty much a great movie throughout. Yes. So I think it gets the, the ever so slight push. And great performances Uh, throughout. Yeah. Just a solid, for sure. Steady film. Mm hmm. The Talented Mr. Ripley or Ocean's Eleven? Uh, This one is not close at all. I think the Ocean's movies are grossly overrated. Uh, I think The Talented Mr. Ripley is grossly underrated. Uh, I love that film. I love everybody in it. And I think it's one of Damon's best performances. And I would like to thank Miles for speaking my mind. uh, And I'm going to agree. I think Ocean's Eleven, I think it's okay. I think uh, there are moments in that that took me out of the film and it doesn't know what it wants to be and then with the sequels uh, but yeah i agree mr ripley why i can i completely agree that oceans 11 is fine that's interesting i disagree in that i don't care for mr talented mr ripley so i'm going oceans 11 ripley is one of those movies that just bounced off me completely for one reason or another i'll rewatch it again one day but like everyone's good in the movie but enjoyment level, like 2%. That's how I feel with, with no. Ocean's Eleven, though. I think maybe if I revisit it with a different mindset, but I it just didn't work. And mm-hmm. yeah, the sequels, it, 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 I, I, maybe I just need to go in and enjoy the style more than the substance. That could be. Yeah, I think as a hangout movie, it works better than as like a true like caper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Born Identity or Born Ultimatum? Oh, interesting. Um, and if you pick Supremacy, you're fired. Is Supremacy not, not even on here? It's not in this list. That's I mean, we can add one. We'll add one. I'll, I'll add Supremacy at the end. Trust me. I have I have a plan here. Oh, God. Okay. Um, I think Supremacy and Ultimatum are pretty much on par with each other. I like the whole trilogy. Mm. Um, but I think Born Identity is the most focused, the most like sort of clear, and I think it gives Damon the most room to act. He kind of just becomes action man in the in the rest of them. But uh, Identity just works really well as a standalone spy film. I am again going to agree with Miles. I'm going with Identity. Um, yeah, I I I think it maybe just because it was a fresh series at that time, and you're putting all those pieces together. It worked better because there's there's more to it than the action. I think the the follow ups relied a lot more on the action than they needed to. Yeah, I think the the sequels, um, people were kind of enamored with the docudrama approach to a big action movie. Whereas, like as a film, they're not amazingly satisfying to me. So I'll also go identity. <laughs> Similar issues, but told much more traditionally. Trust, I like supremacy and ultimatum visually. 
like the the shaky camera docudrama Paul Greengrass approach to a big ass action scene with Matt Damon is cool. Is admittedly cool, but does not a full movie it make. And what a great cast too. Identity has. Yeah, uh, this one's meant. Know. This one's meant to bother me. The Departed or Interstellar. <laughs> Just okay. two easy picks. Put them against each other. Um. I think Interstellar, I loved when I first saw it, but I've kind of soured on it as time has gone by. And I that's think why I've, one. That's why I've never I, revisited it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think I've seen it since it came out, but it just, in my mind, it's just kind of, I don't feel like I like it as much as I thought I did. And I, and one of the biggest complaints I had about the movie, even when I saw it, was Matt Damon. And his whole stretch of the movie is kind of when it starts to fall apart before it gets into the bookshelf world of nonsense. Uh, the Departed is just a great movie, top to bottom. I think Damon is great in it, and it's got such an ensemble cast. Uh, yeah, Departed all the way. Yeah, I'll go Departed as well. Uh, it was just an enjoyable film. Interstellar. You, you can you can recommend Departed to a, a lot wider audience. Interstellar, I think half the people you would recommend it to are going to hate you. So uh, not saying that it has to be a general audience film, but The Departed is uh, is well done and a general audience film. So I'll stick with that. Fair. Fair. Um, Interstellar was my favorite film that year, but like I said, I have not revisited it. I love The Departed also. It's really a push for me. I'll go Departed just because Damon is such a non-factor in Interstellar besides his high-profile cameo and like just basically delaying 20 minutes of the movie. Though the, the docking scene kind of thing with the explosion, that's all pretty cool. But, you know, it, he's not the reason, so right. I can't go with him. Um, though, <laughs> we're getting into uh, some Matt Damon cameo action. So, uh, Thor Ragnarok or Deadpool 2? Oh, God, okay. Um, Yeah, I like both the Deadpool movies, but I don't really love them. They've got that smug, self-satisfied aspect to them that always turns me off in movies. And two in particular goes on forever with the fucking flash or not even flashbacks. What do you call them? Like dream sequences with the dead wife or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it just eh, it's fine. It's whatever. Thor Ragnarok is brilliant. And if we're judging the Matt Damon cameos against each other, you can't beat Matt Damon uh, as like actor version of Loki. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Just the idea of that puts a smile on my face. I'm going with Ragnarok as well. Uh, I will I will make it a sweep. I, I if it was first Deadpool, I probably would have gone first Deadpool. I love that movie. The second one is great still to me, but part of the fun of Deadpool was the 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 newness of like not even new because not like it was doing anything that new, but seeing like a, a Marvel type hero done that way. Deadpool two is just more of the same. The cat the end credits you know sequence fan phenomenal. The rest of the movie it, thoroughly enjoyable. So I'll go I'll go Ragnarok. Um, Here's one I think we'll all be indifferent about. Unsane or no sudden move? Is he an Unsane? I haven't seen Very, him. very briefly and forgettably. Okay. Well, I haven't seen Unsane, so I have no thoughts on it. No sudden move I thought was fine. I like his cameo in it, but otherwise I think that's one of those Soderbergh movies where it just gets a little too complicated for its own good. But yeah. I guess I go with that one just by default because I haven't seen the other one. Wow. Uh, sure. Miles and I are in sync today because I have the same exact answer. There you mm. go. Ah, 
I'll go insane just to mix it up. I'm indifferent to both of them. They're both fine movies. Um, and then we'll wrap up on, well, I'll have, I'll add one in a second, but we'll wrap up on Ryan's with Ford v. Ferrari or The Martian. The ultimate do, dad movies. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, well, it's funny because my dad in particular loves both movies. So does my dad. Um, I do love me some Ford v. Ferrari, but The Martian is one of my favorite Matt Damon movies and my favorite recent Ridley Scott movie, although we'll get to another one in a minute, I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, The Martian is just stellar and it's one of Damon's better recent performances. I'm going to follow suit with The Martian. Uh, I was hoping he'd throw the informant in here somewhere. So Ryan, if you want to sneak that in there. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, the, I love the informant. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite Damon roles. Um, but The Martian, I, I just think, you know, it's, a, it's almost a one man show. Even if it isn't, mm. it kind of feels like like it is, and and Damon owns it. And uh, for that alone, I will go with The Martian. Cool. We don't need to do the uh, Born Supremacy because it's redundant to Ultimatum. So what I will say is our last one is The Informant or The Last Duel. Oh, okay. Um, see what I did there. So I did just see The Last Duel this weekend. Um, I like The Informant a lot mainly for Damon's performance. I think he's playing really well against type in that one. Um, not necessarily for his performance, although he is very good in it, but I think I just like The Last Duel better overall as a movie. I think it's it's probably my new favorite Ridley Scott medieval movie, which, if you know me, isn't a very high bar, but I, I don't know. There's something about it that feels like almost cheekily modern. Um which which is a fun contrast, and you know it deals with some heavy issues, and it's got a sort of clever storytelling to it. Um, yeah, I just think there's more to that one overall. So I'm going to say Last Duel. Cool. It's a tough one. If I'm going to watch one right now, I'd go with The Informant. Um, I agreed with a lot of of what Miles said. Probably everything that Miles said about uh, the Last Duel, uh, but The Informant. I think his performance is, is one of his best, so I'll go with that. I'm I'm gonna go with the last duel, but yeah, I think it's uh I think I agree that it's Ridley's best medieval movie, even though <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know that it's amazing. Like I, I stand by my fact that the first third is a little little rough. The middle part is great. Ironically, the Damon-centric third. Yeah, yeah. The damon It's just, it's dry. The middle part is where they get you because you got, like, lusty off-the-chain Ben Affleck, who who would have thought he'd be the MVP of this movie. Um, and then Jodie Comer kind of brings it home with the, the thesis of the movie and and doing that well. But, yeah, I think it's it's odd that you need the, like, horny guy in the movie, but you, you need take your pants off. Come in and take your pants off. <laughs> Uh, it's so good. I, I think you do need yeah. those chapters to play out as they do, though. I think Damon's chapter sets up the next one. Well, if, to, if, yeah, if it was bigger need... than it was, it would take away the impact of the second, and then also would probably well, you, the you two would those... overpower the third. Well, and... you need those three types of men to show you yeah. these. These were basically the three types of men in those ages: bad, worse, and awful. <laughs> exactly. And these were your choices, and that was how it was, and it's terrible. But yeah, they they handle it well. Just Matt Damon, I feel like doesn't leave a mark on things the way Affleck does. Like Affleck takes out his dick and pisses on everything, but it's phenomenal. Like he marks all of his territory. 
Uh, Driver, not as much so, but he has more fun with the role. Um, I, I think they're all good. I think it, it, there's something to be said for them all. Like, there's no vanity in any of their performances. They're very no. much letting themselves be awful. Mm-hmm. And I think Dame, Damon doesn't really stand out as much, but I do think there is something clever in seeing how different his performance is in each of the sections where in his version, he's like, Oh, he's a great guy. And you know, everyone else is just doing him dirty. But then you see him in the other sections and he's like, just this whiny, yeah. arrogant, like awful person. That's the word. And it's whiny. Kind of hilarious. It's like, oh, shut exactly. Up. There is, there is more subtleness to it than I think people initially give it credit for. So that's, that's I, kind I, of I cool. agree. I, I think when you're, you're watching it, you just, you just decide who you're rooting for, then you're like, no, I'm not. And then you realize you're not rooting for anybody other than, other than uh, yeah. Jody's character. You're rooting for the world to be better. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Um, <clears throat> so quickly, I want to bring up Film Fest 919, where I'm currently am at. Um, I've seen most of the films already, the high-profile ones. Obviously, there's smaller things that I'm trying to get to, but also <laughs> running the site is not allowing. Um as you all can see, with by the time this is going up, there's interviews on the site with Rebecca Ferguson and Hans Zimmer and uh, Oscar Isaac talking about Dune and uh, coming very soon, Edgar Wright. So these are taking some time away. But the 15 things I've seen that are playing at Film Fest 919 include some things I saw while I'm here. Uh, the, Elect- the Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. I think I mentioned I was kind of indifferent to a tiff. The Hand of God. I... Don't love this movie. I know most people like it, and it played well at, I believe, Venice. But uh, the way I described it to someone was, and forgive me if I mention this on the site already, I believe every frame of this movie is incredibly personal and incredibly important to Paolo Sorrentino. To me, however, not so much. It's it's very languidly paced, and uh, it just did very much... I felt every minute of the 129 minutes and it, it, it was nice to look at, but I wish there was more to it. So that was a little bit of an underwhelming movie. I've been, I've mentioned passing before as a film. I wanted to like a little bit more than I did. Same with the French dispatch. Uh, I actually just earlier today saw the lost daughter and I'm one of the few people who doesn't love it. Um, clearly I have an ax to grind against Netflix. It seems this year. Uh, it's like, it's impeccably acted by Olivia Coleman. Shocker there. And I think Maggie Gyllenhaal is going to be a hell of a filmmaker. It's just it's a lot of setup for not a ton of payoff. And it's it's almost, I don't know, a little more obtuse than it needs to be. I, I kind of jokingly called it Maggie Gyllenhaal doing uh, Luca Guadagnino. And that's not my f- favorite filmmaker. So this, this didn't thrill me. But I see why people like it. The, the idea of like motherhood being a crushing responsibility is certainly like effectively done. Uh, other things that played here, Catch the Fair One, which I liked at Sundance, A Hero, which I thought was fine at uh, TIFF, Flea, which I know everyone loves, I think is is fine, The Novice I really liked at Tribeca, Sundance, I don't, South Tribeca, by, I forget when I saw it. I believe. Yeah, it's been it's played a bunch of festivals, I think. It's really good. Uh, come On, Come On, I've mentioned is great, and we're going to talk more about that very soon. Mass, we obviously know I love. The Worst Person in the World, we know I love. Spencer, we know I love. Red Rocket, we know I love. So the other film I want to quickly talk about is King Richard, which I saw last night. And King Richard is good. Um, it's too long. It is, um, the hell, how long was it? Like two hours and 20 minutes, like 138 minutes, like 218 or something like that. It doesn't need to be. Uh, he's very good. 
there's I, I just I know it's not I know the, they produced it so they're not bothered by it but there's something about a movie about how great Venus and Serena Williams are that sidelines them for their dad that just bugged me in a way doesn't mean I didn't like it and it doesn't mean it's not a good film but I I, I just I would rather have watched a movie about them I suppose um, and also just some of the 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 better scenes, honestly, are clearly the fabricated ones. So you do have a scene where um, Richard Williams' wife has to kind of set him back on the right course. And it's such a movie scene, like the Academy Award Best Supporting Actress like clip scene. And it just, I felt like it took me out of the movie a little bit. But it's very good, the performances. That's, there's no way around that. If Will Smith wins the Oscar for this, I, I won't complain. I, I would argue someone like a Simon Rex is doing much better work, but I know what the Academy likes. You know, I know what's a more friendly release. So there's no way that you can compare the two fairly. So I think if he wins, it will have more to do with what happens with the rest of the year, but it's certainly not an unworthy performance. I am, I am curious what everyone else thinks once everyone has watched it, because it's very much a crowd pleaser. Uh, think of like a less problematic blindside. Like, just, like, very much meant to make everyone go, that was good, but without, like, the NRA and religion. That made that one feel weird to me. So, more to come on that one soon. Well, I gotta say one thing. Uh, All the films you're naming and just hearing all of them, I am excited as can be about this upcoming film season. There's just so many, uh, and you've seen a lot of it in advance, so I've heard some of the, you know, your insight, but I cannot wait to be exploring these, so... Well, yeah, and, and I know there's some things by next week you'll have seen or two weeks from now. So <clears throat> we're going to talk more about all these films. I just I don't necessarily want to rant about them on my own. So I'm fine the, to stretch things out a little bit and then have the like full discussions. Um, like, for example, we're going to talk Eternals next week because I couldn't make the screening this week. Steve went. Steve has opinions. We'll save them for next week. I have opinions. As a tease. Yeah. As a tease there. Um, yeah. And, and before we switch to the Oscar year, I'll briefly mention the being the Ricardo's teaser <clears throat> confirmed that it's coming out. Um, I hopefully I'm seeing it very soon, but, uh, that's, that's an interesting X factor because we're, we're starting to get to the point in the year where if you haven't stated your presence, you're, you're maybe not coming out, but also there's not a ton of unseen things, you know, Del Toro's movie, PTA's movie the other Ridley Scott West Side Story, but like, don't look up. But we're, we're, there's not a whole lot else. The things that no one's seen before that you can kind of wildly speculate about are almost done with. So just something to keep in mind for, for as we move about the cockpit. So last thing, we'll play a game. It's more fun to do Arm and White when there's more people. So we'll, uh, we'll recalibrate an Oscar year. Miles, has any been piece, pissing you off recently? You know, I got to tell you, I, I I was sat bolt upright in bed the other night because <laughs> it just hit I mean, this, me. This is a problem for Kelly. This is this is a problem. Yeah, and Kelly agrees with me. She she understood. She she was sympathetic. I kept her up because uh, after I went back to bed, now she was upset about it. Uh, and that is the year that the King's Speech won Best Picture. Something's got to be done about that year. And I tell you what, I think we're the uh, the men to do it. Excellent. Um, <clears throat> we we kind of 
know how this is going to go because I believe we did the Golden Globe year for this one. So I wasn't there know. for that one though. So yeah, so that's one of the reasons take. things may exactly. change. But there's also not a hundred percent crossover here. So let's uh, let's do it to it. Best visual effects. Inception wins. If you want to uh, switch that out, um, and why would you? Uh, your motley crew of options are Alice in Wonderland, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, Hereafter, and Iron Man 2. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, keep it with Inception. What a wonderful blend of CGI and practical stunts. I love it. Yeah, keep it. Yeah, keep it. Uh, it's I, I, I don't... <clears throat> I'm not the world's biggest Inception fan, but these nominees suck. <laughs> you know, they're, they're all no fine. There's some, you know, <clears throat> there's an, an amazing amount of work put into each of these, but Inception's the one that you'll remember, and, you know, it's yeah. 10 years later, and we still talk about it. So the rest of them are, are effects. That was... Uh, I mean, three of the other four, are, like, no, two of the four, two of the other four are known as bad movies. Alice in Wonderland and Hereafter. Iron Man 2 is mixed and Deathly Hallows was like pointless, right? Wasn't that just like a three-hour trailer for part two? I, I I like it well enough as a Harry Potter fan, but yeah, it's not neat. It's not the Harry Potter movie to end all Harry Potter movies. But the yeah. visual effects in all of these are great. It's just, you know, the films are not well, all of them. Steve, are I would make a case movies. against Alice in Wonderland, but that's more yeah. technique than execution. Steve, Steve is panicked thinking about all the like the visual effects people that we're supposed to be interviewing in the next couple months going, like, who worked on one of these? Oh no, trust me. <laughs> who, I, we, who I, are we pissing I, up? They no, it's it's a fa- I respect it. I, I have a background in in animation and graphic design and all of that, and I see the work. It just stinks when you realize that you spent hundreds or thousands of hours in a movie that you don't like. So yeah. yeah. Uh, ask Steve nicely. He'll show you his dirty cartoons. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're on the bathroom wall at the local yeah. uh, Also, Wendy's. Also, ironically, only six films got multiple nominations this year. Alice in Wonderland is one of the six. Of course. Yeah. That's... Uh... Oh, no, I'm sorry. One, two awards. So let's not... Um... More to come later. But, God, that's upsetting. In terms of multiple nominations, it is clearly the worst of the multiple. But we'll get that in a second. Film editing. The Social Network wins. Angus Wall and Kirk Baxter. I don't suspect we'll be recalling, but if we do, 127 hours. Black Swan, The Fighter, and The King's Speech. Uh, With one exception, I think there are some very good nominees here, but I would leave it with Social Network. Yeah, I have one that I would consider, but I'm going to not recall. I, I like this. Same. Um, I think Black Swan is just as good, but yeah. Social Network is a fantastic winner. That's my other. Uh, here's our first challenge: uh, costume design. Alice in Wonderland. Colleen Atwood. I know we're all thinking like, yeah, let's just take that away. Well, here's your options: I Am Love, The King's Speech, The Tempest, True Grit. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um. Recall. I'll say keep it. Uh, I'll say recall just because I want to see what happens. We could end up, certainly end up with keeping it. I mean, I have very few positive things to say about this version of Alice in Wonderland. Um, but out of these nominees, uh, I go with True Grit. Uh, I think they're very strong costume design, even within the sort of 
standard expectations of the Western. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to go with some, I'm going to uh, go against my recall or against, against my keep it. And I'm going to go with, I am love. Uh, not a big, bold, flashy, but just memorable, uh, memorable costumes. Mm. Um, I'm going to go the King's speech. And we wind up keeping Alice in Wonderland <laughs> just because right. I'm so indifferent about this category. Um, wow. Yeah, they're all n- not one of them is interesting to me. I have no problem with uh, Alice in Wonderland. Again, it's, insane it's a... that Black Swan isn't there. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. is kind of crazy. Very true. Because that's the one we want. Like, that's just nope, and they... no nomination for Mark Zuckerberg's hoodie. Come on. I mean, I would have voted for it, honestly. Uh, the Wolfman in Best Makeup. Rick Baker, if we recall, your options are Barney's version and The Way Back. Did the other two have makeup? Barney's version ages um, Paul Giamatti quite well, actually. Oh, okay. The Way Back, I believe they just have, like, shit on them as they're walking, like, out of, like, World War II. From the Gulag. I'm going to say keep it. Yeah, uh, I love me some Rick Baker. Uh, I actually just rewatched American Werewolf in London earlier today, and uh, so I got a taste of his best werewolf makeup. But Wolfman, when you can see the makeup and it's not covered by CG, is very respectable. Uh, I would have recalled and gone Barney's version, but it's fine. We can keep this one. Rick Baker can keep all seven of his Oscars. Hey, he's good. Yeah, art direction, which is, as, a, as always, production design. Alice in Wonderland won. Um... When we recall, I guess, uh, Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 1, Inception, The King's Speech, True Grit. Also insane uh, black spawns out here. Yeah, I know it. Uh, recall. Keep it. Uh, I'll go recall. And by the way, I don't like Alice in Wonderland. I just think visually it's a, it's a, it deserves, it, yeah, it, it's well sure. done. Besides sure. that, uh, it's garbage. It looks like Technicolor vomit. Yeah. Um, That's the look they're going I, for. Yeah, well, they got there. Um, I would give this one to Inception. I really like the look of that one from a production design standpoint. Hmm, Steve. All right, I'm going to... I'm going to keep it. I'm going to stick with Alice. Uh, I'll go Inception. I'll let it win. All right. It's close. I'm not, yeah. I'm not mad at it. No, no. Here's our first, like, real... Real tough one. Cinematography. Wally Fister wins for Inception. If you recall, you got Black Swan, Maddie Libatique, King Speech, Danny Cohen, Social Network, Jeff Cronenwith, and True Grit, Roger Deakins. Damn, that's a good lineup. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could live without the Tom uh, with the King Speech, but, you know, well, Tom Hooper is going to Tom Hooper. Um... I would probably say leave it, actually. Mm-hmm. I... I'm going to leave it. I would say recall, but it doesn't matter. It's fine. What would you have said? Uh, Black Swan, I think. That was my very close second. I like. I think, I would, I think my, my top three, I think it was Black Swan, then Social Network, then Inception. That's fair. All right. Uh, good uh, let's see. Sound mixing, Inception wins. Other nominees, The King's Speech, Salt. Yes, remember, Salt exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Social Network and True Grit. Um, 
I would give consideration to social network, but I'm still going to say leave it. I agree. That's exactly how I feel. So Inception, it is leave it. I would have recalled for social network. This is before uh, uh, hearing the dialogue became an issue in Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah. Uh, Sound editing. Inception also wins. Other nominees. Toy Story 3, Tron Legacy, True Grit, and Unstoppable. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to recall. Hmm. I'm going to keep it. Uh I will keep it even though top Toy Story 3 is my second choice, but I feel like Miles might have gone Tron Legacy otherwise. Well, cuz I'm I feel like and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's its only nomination. Yes. And I feel like that movie doesn't get nearly enough love as it should, especially from the technical aspects. Fair. Yeah, that, it's um, not, that's not visual effects. That's kind of odd, right? Yeah. Yeah, or score. Uh, yeah. Original song, We Belong Together from Toy Story 3, Randy Newman. If you recall, we got Coming Home from Country Strong, not the Country Strong song from Country Strong, mind you. Uh, if I Rise from 127 Hours, A.R. Rachman, and I See the Light from Tangled, Alan Menken. Hmm. Uh, recall. Uh, let's recall. Sure, why not? Um, I'm pretty lukewarm on the movie itself, but I think I See the Light from Tangled is a really good song. And the Randy Newman one I just don't think is anything. Well, I, uh, Tangled was the first movie I saw with my daughter. Uh, so we, it's going just, 127 hours. Just me and yeah, <laughs> we were deciding between the two, and it was sold out. So we said, "Ah, see, Tangled." Uh, but yeah, and but I also I like the movie. I like the music. I'm gonna go with uh, "I See the Light." Uh, I'm gonna go 127 hours, but sure, Tangled wins. No, no worries. Original score: The Social Network, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. I feel like we're keeping it, but if we do recall, 127 hours, A.R. Rachman, How to Train Your Dragon, John Powell. Inception, Hans Zimmer, The King's Speech, Alexandra Desplat. Also, interview with Desplat for the French uh, French Dispatch coming soon to the site. And read uh, our and li- read our listen to our Hans Zimmer interview on the site. It's very good. Um, I, f- I feel like we we touched on this when we did the Golden Globe version of this. I think the Social Network uh, score is exceptional. But uh, I will recall because there's one on here I like just slightly better. I am going, I I think social network I would keep, but I'm going to recall it just to hear what Miles has to say because I was not there for the Golden Globes. Fair enough. I will keep it. Miles, go ahead. Um, So these two are both scores where like, I think I own both soundtracks and like listened to them a lot in the years since. Uh, And social network is great. Although I will say, I think, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did, a, for me, uh, a more compelling version of the same score uh, a few years later with uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the standout for me has to be Inception. I think it's probably my favorite Hans Zimmer score of all time. You know what? I'm going to go Social Network. Uh, that said, so I'm seeing Dune tomorrow, so I may feel differently yeah. next week. I'm going Social Network, so it's up to Steve. Oh. <laughs> I was going to ask you, and I don't... Oh, damn it. Yeah, those are two. That's exactly why I was letting you recall, you know, letting the recall occur. Um, I'm going to go social network. 
I think it's, you know, even I don't care about what happened after when I heard it and, and the years after, uh, it's kind of a haunting score that you don't expect. And I'm going to go with that. Inception cool. delivers what you want and yeah. social network surprises you. Fair enough. Uh, documentary feature quickly. Inside Job 1. Other nominees, Exit Through the Gift Shop, Banksy. You got Gasland, Restrepo, and Wasteland. Uh, recall. 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 Uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop is easily the most memorable of these, I think. I'm going to follow with that. I actually was at one of the exhibits um, that uh, for the artist. So, not Banksy, but the Banksy imitator at one point mm-hmm. around the time of this this documentary. I didn't know it until I saw the documentary. Uh, so I'm going to go with Exit Through the Gift, gift Shop. Uh, I'm going to go Restrepo, but totally, totally solid. And I don't always pick my who I'm voting for based on my personal stories. I just throw my personal stories in there. So no, no, do it up. Okay, all good. Um, foreign language film in a better world wins. Suzanne Bier, if you recall, he got beautiful. Alejandro Gonzalez in Yaritu, Dogtooth. Yorgos Lanthimos, Incendies, Denis Villeneuve, and Outside the Law by a filmmaker whose name I cannot pronounce, but he is not uh, as well known. So I'm sorry, I don't want to like mangle your name. And uh, look at that lineup, make me though. Huh? Seen worse. Yeah, that's that's why I, I was really mainly bringing it up because I think it's because of the other four. Yeah, I mean, this is what an incredible lineup, no doubt. Um, as much as I do love some of these films, Inner Better World, I think, is one of the better foreign language wins of recent years. So I'm going to leave it with that. I'm going to stick with that as well. I would have recalled for Dogtooth, but totally fine okay. with that. It wasn't getting uh, overturned then, so. Yeah. There you go. Uh, animated feature, Toy Story 3 wins. If you recall, you got How to Train Your Dragon or The Illusionist. There's only three nominees, so if you want to recall, say what you would have picked, and we'll do it uh, sort of rapidly. Because I know also Steve wants to go soon. Please let um, me go. I, I do love How to Train Your Dragon, but I'm going to leave it with Toy Story because I think of the four, that's the best of them. Oh, I, I totally agree. How I Tra- Train Your Dragon is not only a great film, it's a great trilogy, but Toy Story 3 is... Uh, everyone remembers the moment they watch those toys hold hands. Yep. So Toy Story 3. Yep, agreed. Toy Story 3 is brilliant. Uh, adapted screenplay, The Social Network, Aaron Sorkin. If you recall, you've got... 127 hours, Danny Boyle and Simon Beaufort. You got Toy Story 3, Michael Arndt, with also, I believe, John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, Leon Critch. You've got True Grit and the Coen Brothers, and you've got Winter's Bone, Deborah Granick, and Anne Russellini. Uh, it's a good lineup, but I'm leaving it with Social Network. It's probably my favorite or Aaron Sorkin script. Mm, yep, keep it. Another keep good it lineup, well. yeah. Yep. Original screenplay, The King's Speech, David Seidler. All right, Miles, it's going to be your time. Um, when We Recall, I guess, your options are Mike Lee in Another Year. Uh, the Fighter, Scott Silver, Paul Tamasey, Eric Johnson, Keith Dorrington. Like, a lot of people wrote that movie. Uh, Inception, Christopher Nolan, and The Kids Are All Right, Lisa Cholodenko and Stuart Blumberg. Recall. 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 Uh, I'm going with Inception. I think it's such a brilliant concept, uh, beautifully executed. I agree. Let's go Inception. I went The Kids Are All Right, Inception. I like that one, too. That was good. Oh, it's too bad we always go in the same order because I, I may yeah. be influenced. All right. Well, you can you can ask for help if you want. 
Um, anyone can. But, but I like both. Supporting I actress. Those are my options. Yes. So. Supporting actress. Consider Melissa Leo in The Fighter. If you want to not consider her, your options are Amy Adams in The Fighter. Helena Bonham Carter in The King's Speech. Haley Steinfeld in True Grit for her supporting performance. And Jackie Weaver in Animal Kingdom. I Did Melissa Leo won this year? I forget about that. Yeah. She um, took out that consider ad that everyone hated. Yeah. Not, I mean, I think she's good in it. Um, I would recall, though. Recall. Yeah, recall. Uh, for me, it's got to be Jackie Weaver oh, in Animal Kingdom. My That's gosh, Miles, we are in tune today. Yep, my Jackie I... Jackie Weaver. Holy shit. Cool. I mean, I was going Amy Adams, but listen, Jackie Weaver is not her. It's no Silver Lines playbook, but that performance in Animal Kingdom is very good. Mm-hmm. Yes, but it's fine. Jackie Weaver wins. Supporting actor Christian Bale wins for The Fighter. If you recall, you have John Hawks in Winter's Bone. Jeremy Renner in The Town, a movie Miles and I saw together. Mark Ruffalo in The Kids Are All Right. And Jeffrey Rush in The King's Speech. So three other options. Uh, that's a really good lineup. I, 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 I like most of those nominees. Um, I would leave it with uh, Christian Bale for The Fighter, though. I think it's among his best work. Yeah, I'm going to keep it, but I would go John Hawks if I didn't. Uh, I will recall for Jeremy Renner. So Christian Bale wins. Yeah, both John Hawks, Jeremy Renner, what great choices. Yeah. Here's 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 a tough one. Best actress, Natalie Portman, Black Swan. If you recall, you've got Annette Benning, the kids are all right. Nicole Kidman, Rabbit Hole. Jennifer Lawrence, Winner's Bone, and Michelle Williams, Blue Valentine. Uh some amazing performances in here, but it's actually not close for me. I leave it with Natalie Portman. I it is close for me and I'm gonna keep it Natalie Portman. Um I'm fine with her. I would have recalled for Michelle Williams, but that's uh, my Portman second wins. That's my back. Right. Apparently when, when the King's speech is not there, we, we leave a lot. Um though here here's your challenge. Best actor, Colin Firth, the King's speech. Probably the least objectionable of its wins. If you recall, Javier Bardem, beautiful. Jeff Bridges, true grit. Jesse Eisenberg, The Social Network, and James Franco, 127 molestations. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, now that I've got that wonderful taste in my mouth. Uh, Colin Firth is great. He should have won for a single man. I'm going to recall. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to recall. Oh, jeez. So I would very nearly go for Jeff Bridges here. I think he's kind of terrific in that. Uh, But I'm going to say Jesse Eisenberg for The Social Network. It's still his best performance, and it's kind of iconic in how understated it is. Mm -hmm. Hmm. You just purr? Yep, I just did. That's my brain working. I'm going to stick with Colin Firth. It's working again. Now I'm like, do I... Do I do I jokingly pick Franco and let Firth win? No, nah, no, nah, I'm gonna go Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, no, I would say I, I, would, half, I, I half expected you to do that. To be honest, yeah, now, he's good in that movie. I I wish obviously Ryan Gosling was here. That would have been an easy pick. I also it's wish wild ben that he's not nominated. Yeah, I also wish that Ben Affleck was here for the town. Yeah, yes, missed opportunity. Should, should be nominated for director for the town. Yeah, well, yeah. it's a good lineup except for the winner. <laughs> Best director, Tom Hooper, The King's Speech. 
when we recall. Your options are Darren Aronofsky, Black Swan, David O. Russell, The Fighter, David Fincher, Social Network, and the Coen Brothers for True Grit. Recall. 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 Wait. wait. Uh, y- should we? Oh, should we? Ahead. Should we? Should we annoy Steve? I don't know. What do you have in mind? I'll go, go Aronofsky. Oh, you're going Aronofsky. Okay. Listen, I honestly, it might be my favorite Aronofsky film. But that said, it's Social Network is David Fincher's best film. I go him all the way. Ooh. All right, Steve. Yeah, you did pick annoy one me. between uh, those two, or two. Tom Hooper keeps the award. No, no, it's not going to be Hooper. It's not going to be Russell. It's not going to be the Coen Brothers. It's going to be. You know, you're just editing out this dead air, right? Yep, I am. But I'm thinking it through. It's someone oh. whose name starts with a D. Oh yeah. All right, that's a good one. David or Russ? No. Um, I mean, me, see, I knew what I was doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, oh my, damn it. Uh, <laughs> we uh, broke Steve. David Fincher. Yes. Oh, no, no issues. But I knew it was more fun to do it this way. And now, the moment we've been waiting for since the moment they announced the winner. <laughs> Recalling the King's speech. Now, you can uh, choose to recall it or keep it, but if you recall, and I suspect you will, your options are, in the year of 10, meant to highlight bigger films and get people to watch movies, 127 hours, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are Alright, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, and Winter's Bone. Recall, by the way. Uh, recall. Recall. Obviously. Although I do like the King's speech. I, I don't hate the King's speech. I think the hate for it largely comes yeah. due to what it beat rather than yeah. any slight against the film. No, no. Itself. It's, and maybe, what it's doing, it does very well. It's a great lineup here. So it's, you know. No, I mean, I, I kind of wish they would do year 10 more often. Well, I guess that's what we're getting this year, yeah. right? Welcome back. Yeah. Yay. So but just because I do think you, you end should up read with more radar. interesting nominees. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, so many great films in here. I love Inception. I love Black Swan. I love True Grit. Like, there's some, yet they no, there still is not missed. a bad film in here, and not even and close. They still miss. They still miss Blue Valentine. They still miss yeah. uh, the town. Absolutely. So. Um, that said, uh, the number one is not even close for me. It is The Social Network. Um, long pauses. Long pauses. Uh. I'm gonna go with Black Swan. Oh no! What you happened me. to the sink? Oh, sorry. <laughs> My plan is foiled. I was gonna go Toy Story three. If we do that, King Speech wins. <laughs> Don't you dare! Don't you, ladies and gentlemen, dare. the I King know. Speech. No, no, no. The Social Network. I believe my 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 number one that year was Blue Valentine. My number. Two that year might have been Toy Story three. My number three was Social Network. Scott Rudin, come up, come up to the stage, come oh, up, yeah, America's what you, favorite. What are you gonna do? <laughs> I mean, listen, you forget I mean, who almost I'll, I'll be executive honest, produced I w- that movie. I would have been happy. Yeah, no. I'm... <laughs> hey, um, Kevin Spicy, come, come get your award. God damn it! How did this happen? But I mean, I'll be honest. I would have been totally content if Black Swan won. It's better than King's yeah. Speech. Yeah, but um, no, yeah. Social Network, I think, is just. I still think it might be one of the most important films of that decade. And you like, heard it here. 
Miles wants to honor Mark Zuckerberg, Kevin Spacey, Scott Rudin, and Army Hammer. I hate everything that's happening right now. It is funny when you think about this is a movie that has not suffered for that. But you know what, though? That's a testament to what a phenomenal film yeah. is, that all those names are involved in it, and it's still, like, completely essential. I mean, it's how you're supposed to approach this. The art and the artists are separate. The art can be great. The artists can be mostly trash. And you just, you separate the two. That's, you know, we see this every... Every year or two when people want to have a Woody Allen conversation, like, oh, can we still like anyone? Sure you can. You don't have to like Woody Allen. Well, you know what people forget is you don't have to mention the artist's name. You can just talk about the work and not bring up the artist. But, you know. I mean, listen, if you don't want to mention, well, listen, Army Hammer is very good in the the social network. If you don't want to give him that credit, talk about Josh Pence. (laughs) Just give Josh Pence the credit that he never got. Um, you know, you can, you can work around that. So the social network, we did, we did. I'm very happy it won. Uh, but you know, it, it's a great year. I'd be happy pretty much if anything won, even the King's speech I'm happy with, but it's a, you know, we should, when we have more time with these, give some context, you know, for the year. Cause this was a, a tipping point in how the, the seasons kind of go. Cause for those of you who weren't there when it happened, for those of you who were, you'll remember this. Social Network, during the Critics' Prize phase, just dominated every Critics' group. You know, very quickly, it was, okay, Fincher and, and Social Network, dominating. Colin Firth, dominating. You know, the um, a lot of Natalie Portman, dominating. Like, a lot of things very quickly coalesced. And then the DGA and PGA went King Speech. And you went, oh, wait, the guilds like this movie. And it became one of the first in, in a now wave of, well, which one's going to eke it out? And as we've seen, oftentimes the guilds do end up being right. So, you know, it was a training ground, I think, for a lot of these years where you hear us go, yeah, we maybe we don't think that 1917 is the world's best movie, but it's winning these guild prizes. That means something. You know, obviously Parasite takes it over at the end, but the, the way that 1917 went from like, outside the top 10 to like, oh, it's probably five, six, seven in picture. Like, oh, it's two. Oh, it's probably number one was guild support. And that's how the King speech won. Guild support. Like that's, that's a, you know, we all agree that Harvey Weinstein's a monster, but he played the game. He knew how, he knew how to play the chess and that doesn't make him a good person, but it made him smart when it came to this particular skill set. And you, you unfortunately have to acknowledge that even if you wish that wasn't the case. You know, so yeah, that's just that's just the way it is. So next week, our spooktacular. So if you have any Halloween themed questions, any any spooky type things you want to bring up, put them forward. I I did a Sunday Scary West week about if we're ever going to get some some Jason and some Freddy to go with Michael. I know Miles probably has some opinions about that one. We could talk about that a little bit next week. Boy, um, do I. Yeah. Although I'm, I haven't read your article yet, but I assume you know about the Jason legal battle that may prevent us from ever getting a new Jason film. Yeah, I, I just mentioned legal, but I didn't want to bore people with it. We'll talk about it on the podcast. I think it's an easier way to sort of skim that. But yeah, Jason is 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 tangled up in things, and and honestly, I think it's also the harder character because he's the lumbering brute. You need to add something, or 
go back to the beginning and, and do the mom and find a way to make that interesting, which is not hard. You just, I think the, the, you need a take. Otherwise you're, you're just going to get another platinum dunes movie. Whereas Freddie, I think you don't even need a take. You need a visual filmmaker. You need someone like I, I mentioned in the, in the, in the article, I don't know that he would do a good job, but like imagine a Michelle Gondry nightmare on Elm street. Which is like someone who's going to utilize the the dream aspect of it, or even just like a Mike Flanagan, just like someone who will give it the like TLC that it deserves. Otherwise, because yeah. because they've had good sequels, the the Jason movies, the first one's not even that great. You know, they're, well, I would, they're I would high... actually argue that the original Friday the Thirteenth is kind of so so, but the sequels are where it's at. Even though they're all pretty much the same movie. Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, I think, is the, maybe the high watermark for that franchise. And I, then I, I go Part Six, but Part Four is also one. Yeah, people like. but they've also gotten you know they're they're different forms of ridiculous. But whereas uh, Freddy, first one's great, second one is rough. Miles and I have a take on that movie <laughs> that we probably shouldn't share anymore. Um, three is great. New Nightmare is great. Like, there are there are high points within that franchise. And I would even... Like, Freddy vs. Jason's not terrible. Thing is, a lot of the old horror movies have an issue that the rights were passed around. It wasn't like... Yes. There's no excuses for the new Halloween. But they aren't just something... This isn't one filmmaker and one vision. This is like, hey, who's going to direct this one? Oh, this well, guy over here? That's why, well, that's why you hope that, like, Blumhouse, for example, can have the capital... To scoop them up. Because whether it, they'll work or not, you believe that if, if Blumhouse were to grab Freddy and Jason, let's say, they would at least make some version of the movie. You know, you, you may not like, like Steve Quilly is not a Halloween, this version of Halloween fan. But you you don't enter into the Blumhouse version of Halloween going, oh, they're going to fuck it up. Like, you're like, okay, I'm, they're going to hire like name filmmakers. And like the Blumhouse thing is, you will have limited money, but you will have creative freedom. So that's why I don't know that you'll ever get a Freddy Blumhouse. But if Blumhouse got Jason, you know, go to town and we're going to let you do your thing. Because the Platinum's Dune, Platinum Dunes one wasn't inept. It was just hollow. I was, I was going to say soulless, but it's a movie about like a fucking guy who butchers people. It doesn't have a soul I, to begin with. I have kind of a hot take. I think the Platinum Dunes Friday the 13th is better than the original. Yeah, the original's not great. The original kind of sucks, and I think the the remake, it has its issues, but it feels much more in line with what Jason became. Rather yeah, there those movies started. Oh yeah, but it was kind of a, it, yeah, it but was it the greatest hits. It was to, 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 it's like saying my cooking got much my my fifteenth attempt at making spaghetti was better than the first. Of what? course, it's, but, well, but that's Friday. not that's not what happened with Freddy. Freddy fucked up his remake big time. Yeah, exactly. Platinum Dunes, yeah. Platinum Dunes bombed. Freddy. But I think I think I think uh, Jay. Well, let's save this for the Halloween episode. But I think Jason's a little shallower of a character. Very. And then they very. started oh, to sure. inject more into him, at least in the later episodes. What I, what I'll say is, and we'll talk about it more next week. Platinum Dunes has the the very basic take on the characters. Like Friday Thirteenth is a greatest hits. Like oh, we want a a bag. We want a hockey mat. Like the things that like you might have offhand know about the character. They fucked up Freddy because they knew nothing else about Freddy. But like their Texas Chainsaw Massacre, again, they make like a like a clean antiseptic version of what is meant to be like gross and gritty. So something else we'll talk about next week. So in preparation for that, say where you can be followed and tell me about a 
horror villain or movie monster you want to get another take at in that realm. It can still be those guys, but give me someone else if you want. And no Pinhead because he's coming. Right now she's coming. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Uh, you can it. find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. Uh, they're both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. And um, I will say I do more than any of the others, I think. I really want uh, a new Freddy film. And uh, I've thought for a long time that the way to do it, since we were just talking about Inception, is to kind of shift the focus. Like, take it away from the kids, make it more about the parents, go back to that kind of Dream Warriors idea where they're actually, like, going to fight Freddy on his turf and do almost like... In in that uh, Alien begat Aliens, which is almost like a an action movie with the same sort of, you know, format, you could kind of do a more action horror centric uh, take on uh, the nightmare world. And I think that would be really interesting. Cool. All right. You can follow me at Filmsnork on Twitter and Letterboxd. You can also listen to The Verse, where we cover everything from James Bond to uh, pretty much everything. But a lot of uh, superheroes and a lot of fun cinematic universe stuff. Um, if you're going to ask me to reboot one franchise, it's going to be, what's that one called? Halloween. Because what they're doing right now is a travesty. But <laughs> that's it. Talk more next week. Okay. Uh, you can follow me at Joey Magazine and Awards Radar. Though it's not always me on Awards Radar. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, all that stuff. And what I want to say is, one, I want them to make a Spiral sequel. I want to keep that franchise going. I'm that absolutely villain. And uh, you know what's a, a vaguely hot take? I would love another Hostel. I don't necessarily want it done the same way, but I think the idea of maybe not even out in Europe, but the idea of the like rich awful white man taking that to the extreme has only become more prevalent now. So I don't want to like a, like a thrown off, like hostile for, you know, this time in New Jersey. Cause I think the third one was in Vegas, right? The direct to DVD one. That sounds, that sounds right. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it was direct to DVD and it, I don't think it wasn't Eli Roth, right? No, I don't even know if he was involved, but like, no, obviously his, but one, his take, but one and two are kind of underrated in that kind of, grimy way where you almost feel like they wouldn't get made now exactly he like i know people are very split on him i think he's an incredibly talented filmmaker who's intentionally making things that look grimy like that it's not a like slapdash we don't have the resources i think he loves those movies and wants to make that version of a movie so i i think whether you like it or not whether it's hostile or cabin fever or the green inferno like he is making his vision and it's it's very hard not to respect that even if you don't like it so i would love a an interesting like hostile reboot obviously it would be like a trump inspired type thing so it could go way, way off in the wrong direction but there's a take that would be like fascinating to see so just my two cents in any event we'll be back next week we actually just got a question we really would have loved to do but we're not gonna restart the podcast because steve has to go yeah i but do have to go we'll have, <laughs> we have a good question for next week i'm just gonna say that so Stay tuned, and uh, we will uh, scare you at the movies. Good night. Oh, see you later. Boo. Thanks for listening. 
be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.